This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at craftsanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Welcome to episode 150. That's a lot of interviews, and it's been so fun along the way. So I want to thank my Patreon sponsors and ACS Home and Work for keeping this podcast going. On this episode, I am very excited to introduce you to a local fiber artist living here in West Michigan. Her name is Megan Roach, and she is the powerhouse behind Adventure Textiles. Isn't that a great name for an Etsy shop and a business? I love it. And it was really fun to record it because I actually went to visit her at Parliament, the studio. This is a studio space at 401 Hall in Grand Rapids that she shares. It's up on the fourth floor, and she shares the space with a couple of her friends who are leather workers. So grab a project, grab a cup of tea, and settle in for episode 150. Here we go. Can you just kind of explain a little bit about your business and what you do, what you make, and then we'll explore your story from there. Mm -hmm. So I'm a fiber artist. I love everything fibery, like any kind of yarn, fabric. Um, I really love natural dyeing, so I love combining the two. I love the colors that I get from natural dyeing, and I love making things from it. So I've been doing natural dyeing and doing fiber stuff for several years now, and it's kind of all come together in weaving. Like I just discovered weaving about a year ago, um, and I just love how the two play together. I love how the natural dyes like look in the woven fabric. Oh, yeah, and um, you have some of your work sitting right here by us, and it's, I'm amazed at the color spectrum you get because I think a lot of times people think when they work with natural dyes that they're going to be quite limited Mm -hmm. and I think initially you are a little bit limited because it takes a while to figure out what works and what doesn't I've had a lot of failed natural dyeing experiments but some that have gone really well Mm -hmm. I'm curious about how you got into just the fiber arts in general so what did you go to school for and what how did this whole thing start did you start as a child dabbling in this or pick it up as an adult? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, I would always pick up like craft books just like to learn new things like klutz books. And, oh, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you know yeah. about those. Oh, yep, had hilarious. all the klutz books. So just like going through all the motions, making all the friendship bracelets or whatever it would be, right. um, learning all these new skills. My grandma also crocheted when I was younger, and she like taught me the basics of crochet, but she did a lot of single crochet and double crochet, and okay. like that was it, like that kind of variation. She's been making the same blanket for like the last 20 years. It's gorgeous, but like the same blanket, <laughs> Is same design. Is she having fun doing it? Yeah, then, and she, and she can still do right. it, too. Right. So it's, it's nice to know that even when I'm much older, I could still be doing this, yes, making is... the same blanket over and right. over again. <laughs> But so that's what I did when I was younger, and I was also very involved in art in high school. Um, but after high school, I kind of put that aside for a while. Mm-hmm. When I went to I went to Grand Valley State University, and I studied sociology and women and gender studies, okay. which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed what I was studying, but there was no art involved. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of research, though, right. which I took with me after I graduated. And that's mainly how I've been able to learn all the things that I know how to do now with fibers is by like the research that I right. do. So that's great that you've been able to apply that. And how did that start then? So you graduated 
And then what? What did you do right out of school? Well, I think I had a couple of years where I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, Which is a lot of people go through yes, that. Very common. Yes. Uh, originally, when I graduated, I'm like, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to be a professor um, because I like teaching people how to do things. Right, so I think right. eventually I will be teaching people how to do things. I'm teaching people how to uh, do things now. But... I was very lost for a long time. And then actually when my friend Elise Welcher moved back to Grand Rapids, we lived together and she had a, her studio and I had like my small studio that I had like mm -hmm. together. And then we just started working together. I started working with her on like everything that she was doing. And she's actually the person that taught me how to crochet again. Because mm -hmm. um, I already knew how to crochet a little bit, but she taught me how to crochet again. And like that summer was uh, also coupled with um, natural dyeing. Like she was teaching me how to do some natural dyeing too. Okay. Okay. And then I took both of those skills and just like skyrocketed with them. You just got really into mm -hmm. it. I ended up making a, my first like big project was making a big quilt, a crocheted quilt of like different uh, patterns. So oh, I would yeah. like make different pieces, but I made it all out of my natural dyed yarn. Too. Oh, wow. That mm -hmm. must be gorgeous. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's really great. And it's just so nice to see like how much it's held up from then. To oh, then. yeah. And it's kind of like almost like a, a time capsule of all the experiments that you did. Definitely. So yeah. so I started one last year about with knitting, with the knitting right. squares, because I've never really been a big knitter. I don't really know how to hold the two needles in my hands. Well, I kind of do now, but I just don't like knitting very much. I skip to circulars. I, I've used those, too. Yeah, I'm trying to make some socks I, I don't even right like now. to use straight needles anymore. Mm -hmm. I've totally circular. It's easier, because you don't have the, you're not hitting yourself in the elbow, which mm -hmm. is <laughs> I'm always just, I hate when stitches fall off the needles. Like, I think that's, like, the biggest thing that I have. Or, like, the fear of stitches falling off the needles right. and having to fix it well, all. Well, because when you crochet, there's one loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if it comes undone, it you comes can undone, pull it out you can, yeah, and, and start and all over you can over start again. over, and it, yeah, that's the thing about knitting is when you drop a stitch and you discover that five rows later, you can fix it, but it's way more complicated. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I understand. Because I was a crocheter first, and then I became a knitter. Yeah. And I have the same hang-ups that you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the design elements with crochet more, too. I feel like it's so, uh, more freeform. If I want yeah, to do something this row and do something completely different in like yeah, the next five rows, You don't have to right. switch it up so much. But I think it almost, I don't know how everyone else feels about it, but I think the one you take up first mm -hmm. tends to be the one you're most comfortable with. Yeah, that's way it And I, I know for me, home is crocheting, but I, like, I love to knit as well. So, mm -hmm. so you've explored the crocheting, the knitting, and now weaving yes and how did that happen how did you get into weaving i just started seeing more and more woven fabrics started following more people that are doing weaving mm -hmm. on like instagram and other right, social media right. and they just started doing more research into it i'm like ooh, maybe i could do this like this might be the key that like pulls everything together mm -hmm. um so then i got a rigid head of loom earlier this past year and then very shortly after there was somebody on craigslist getting rid of my bigger loom, my floor loom. And what kind of loom is that? This is a counterbalance loom. It's a Nihilus Leclerc. Very nice. Leclerc Nihilus loom. Yeah, very mm -hmm. nice. And it looks like, do you know what year that was made? I don't know. If, it Ooh. doesn't say, I don't think. I'm not sure what year it was made. Yeah, but that's she, really cool. She's had it for, or the woman before me, Susan, has had it for like the last 20 years. Okay. And then she was moving to be with her grandchildren. Okay. So she wanted to get rid of it, but she was looking to give it to somebody that really was, was passionate about it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I this loom was actually called Susan. It has a name. Oh, it's called Susan. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, from the and, first time I bought it. And from. has she been able to see what you've been able to make? I don't think so. I haven't been able to find her since. Okay. Because she's already moved away. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so it was just this random kind of clerics mm -hmm. thing. What are you making on your loom? 
a variety of different things. I started off with just making fabric, just like long rows of fabric, just to see what I could do with them. And what were you weaving? Were you weaving uh, wool or cotton? Oh, cotton. Okay. Uh, that's what I started okay. with. Okay. Um, but I do have a lot of wool too. Okay. So then I started like mixing the two fibers together. Okay. So that's a lot of what I have currently is like wool and cotton. Okay. But I'm doing a lot of different cowls right now. Okay. So different types of like wraps basically around your neck. You're doing some patterning in there. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of um, patterns are you are you doing? I have, I feel like the book that everybody has, a hand weaver's pattern book. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's super old and super good. Yeah. And nice. it's one of my favorite parts about weaving is just looking at the patterns and, and like the layout of them mm -hmm. and figuring out, okay, how do I thread this whole thing? And then how do I like push the right petals to make this pattern? Um, that's something that's really intriguing to me and has always been intriguing to me throughout all fiber arts, like the technical, like mathematical side to mm -hmm. fiber arts because so, something is so soft and nice when it's all finished, but there was so much thought that went behind it. Right. Even, yeah. even before I get to the pattern, uh, somebody that like, actually made this pattern, made right. this whole setup, it's like, how did they figure that out? Well, and I think there's a lot of patience involved in weaving too because before you even get to the part where you sit down and weave there's a lot of setup work i don't enjoy the setup work as much as i enjoy the weaving part mm -hmm. i really love throwing that shuttle back and forth it becomes kind of a like zen like i think it's like yoga for fiber artists you know um, a lot of fiber artists do yoga too mm -hmm. but i think there's something about that repetition i mean do you find that that i mean what is that experience like for you to be able to just sit there and weave I, I really like it. Um, I really like how my whole body is moving. Like I'm mm -hmm. moving my feet and my arms and like my back is going back and forth as I'm like pulling the beater back. So I really like being completely involved with right. this project. Right. Something I've been doing a lot lately is doing like very complex pattern work, but also using a tabby. Mm -hmm. So that means I'll have two shuttles going at once. Mm -hmm. And then like both of my feet are involved because I'm having like one foot that's like concentrated on the tabby doing like the plain weave right. and then one foot that's like my pattern foot. So it's just like getting both feet involved, getting both like our hands involved um, and like just watching this pattern grow as I, as I'm moving. I, yeah, I think that's the most fun is when you, um, especially when you do a complex threading and you're like, oh, I hope this works. <laughs> and then when you see, it, oh, it actually worked and it looks beautiful. It's so fun. I mean, there's really a satisfaction in that. What I think is really striking about what you're doing is you're making these really interesting pattern pieces and then you're wearing them. And so why don't you describe a little bit about how you kind of came up with your cowl design because it's um, it really is a unique look that you're wearing. So I knew that I wanted to do something with color and I knew I wanted to do some kind of scarf overall. Um, and then I was just started weaving different lengths at first. Mm -hmm. So I had a, one that was a little bit longer, one that was a little bit shorter. Um, and then when I took it off the loom, it was mainly just playing around with it, like putting it around my neck and then seeing where it fell and mm -hmm. like how I could like mold it around my neck. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also work in a leather studio and do a lot of leather work myself. So then it was just a small step to like putting on a snap, like with a little bit of leather embellishment, but like making a snap to make the piece like hold in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a lot of playing around with like the actual piece which was fun right and what's nice is those leather fasteners and we're starting to see this with people knitting and crocheting things and adding like little fasteners but what's really cool about the the fact that you were able to kind of use that leather work experience you've had working with your friend and then kind of bring that over to so you're combining natural dyeing uh weaving and now some leather work too and which is really cool and I, I love it when people have a mixed skill set and they're able to apply all those things to create a piece because not every weaver 
can jump in. I mean, there are plenty of weavers who could weave the same patterns that you're weaving, mm -hmm. but they may, might not be a natural dyer. And, and if they are, they probably aren't also a leather worker. Yeah. I mean, the combination of skills that you've kind of brought together is really makes your work unique. And it's really exciting for me to get to see just kind of watching what you've been doing on social media and, and seeing you at shows here in town. It's been really fun to see kind of how things have developed from, okay, there's skeins of yarn, you know, <laughs> and then now there's, there's something else. And, and it's really kind of cool how you've built on it. I get the sense that you're getting, you feel like you have traction, like mm -hmm. real traction now on, you know, like you're headed in a direction and it's clear. And that's the vibe I'm getting from you. But I mean, how does that feel from your perspective? It's been a long time to get here. Yeah. Um, there's just been a lot of bumps along the way, or I would crochet a blanket that took me <laughs> too many hours and then be like, if I want to sell this after all the dye work that I did and after all like the crochet work that I did, I'm going to have to sell this blanket for like $800. Right. And I'm yes, there might be it. somebody that buys that, but I don't know if I can just make one just to sit out there until somebody does. Right. Um, right. So when weaving came along, it's in my opinion, faster than like crochet or mm -hmm. knitting. So it was like I could finally sell something that I make at like a reasonable price point. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really drove me to like focus on weaving more. Plus it's just so much fun right. to, to do the whole process. And were you surprised at how quickly you've been able to kind of just really get into this? I mean, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but that's where like the research comes into play. I'm completely self-taught in this uh, just by looking at different books and looking at different websites and watching videos here and there, just trying to figure out the little odds and ends. Mm -hmm. I'm a little nervous to take a class because I feel like someone's going to be like, what are you doing? You're doing all this wrong. So now that you've been able to like really dive into weaving and have success with your pieces, what do you plan to do next? Lots of different things with weaving, but the next plan that I have is batiking. Okay. Or doing like different kinds of dye yeah. work um, because that's overall like my first love is just like putting something that's white in a dye bath and like pulling <laughs> right. it out and having it be a completely different color. Right. Um, I kind of got into marbling this past year okay. too, and marbling yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, just like swirling around colors and then pulling something up. So what were you doing when you were doing the marbling technique? What were you dyeing? Uh, different kinds of fabrics as well as paper. Okay. So just okay. kind of experimenting overall. So do you think you'll be expanding your brand to cover like paper and like I mean I do want to sell all kinds of things like that I want to sell all kinds of things I've had yeah. a, a journal in mind for a long time as well as a hammock like I've been wanting to make like a beautiful hammock for years now do you want so. to do it macrame or like um would it be woven? Or? I think woven. Yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. My uh, One of the long pieces of fabric that I made when I first started weaving, like I basically, it was almost a hammock and then it turned into bags. But like it was just like long enough and almost wide enough right. and it would have been beautiful. That would be beautiful. I think, um, and that would be a piece that could be really a showpiece mm -hmm. for people. And, and that's the thing that's so nice about these textiles is that not only are they garments that people can adorn themselves, but they can put them in their home and, it's, and the possibilities really are endless, mm -hmm. you know, with, with these options. You mentioned earlier that you like teaching, that you like the concept of, of teaching people. Do you plan to maybe do workshops and, and that sort of thing for, for folks? Or have you done that already? Because mm -hmm. I know you've done the tie-dyeing events at your sales sometimes. Mm -hmm. So what are your plans in that? Well, we've done a couple natural dye workshops. Mm -hmm. Usually we focus on workshops in the winter time. So we'll right. probably do a few more natural dye workshops this winter. I'm also looking to do a couple of basic leather working workshops too this winter. Which would be really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just like basics overall. But I think it'd be really fun to teach 
people how to work with leather. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just such a fun material to work with. I would love to teach people how to weave eventually, but that requires like another loom, and I'm just not at that point yet. Right. I would like to like know a little bit more. I'm so excited to see where I'm going to be in the next 5, 10, 15 oh, years. Yeah. I cannot wait to be. I feel like I'm an old lady at heart right now, but I cannot <laughs> wait to be like an old lady with however many decades of experience under my belt um, with all this stuff. Because if this is just the beginning, I can't even imagine where it's going to go. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. And have, so are you able to make a living off of your artwork? Is this all you do or do you do other things? Uh, I do other things. Um, I'm getting to the point that this can be what I do, but not quite yet. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. So you're on that, on the precipice of, of this really cool Definitely. Are the other jobs that you do related to artwork at all, or do you just do... Well, I do a lot of work for Little Wings Designs, which is leather working. and that's kind of working in the arts, Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Uh, And then I'm also a supervisor at Kava House, which is a coffee house. Okay. So that that job is really nice, because I can kind of just, like, turn everything off. Like, it's... I've been doing it for so long that it's just, like, basic making coffee for people. Right. So it's kind of a break from constantly thinking about business and thinking about how I'm going to make these things, where I'm going to sell these things, what's the next big event. Right. Um, And then I really enjoy the interactions with people at that job. Mm-hmm. Like I have all these fantastic regulars. I love all my coworkers there. I don't know what I would do without that kind of thing to go away to every once in a while. Right. I think as long as you're happy in, in creating beautiful things, I mean, you know, who really cares, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty interesting too because when I got the job or when I was interviewing for the job, I was talking to. Lee Vanderwollen and telling her that this is what I want to do. I like I want to work a part-time job so that I can focus right. on my craft right. and work do leather working, do right. fiber stuff, whatever it's going to be. Like I want to do this kind of stuff, but in order to do so, I do need another job. Right. And it's been nice to have a community that supports me. It's been nice to like see myself grow in this business, but also to have my support from that coffee shop from both like the owner as well as all my coworkers and all the regulars. Like I'm constantly talking to these people. And they probably see what you're wearing too. If you Mm -hmm. come in with a, you know, have they seen your weaving and everything? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a couple ladies that like, that's all we do is talk about crochet (laughs) and knitting and they bring in their projects. I bring in my projects. I've gotten so much, like I'll pack a yarn from a couple of regulars. And there's just so many people that like, just like are giving me fibers now because they know I'm into this. Do you have advice for, any of the folks who might be listening and thinking maybe they're working that part-time job or maybe even a full-time job and they're really itching to get into some of these types of things just do it whenever you can (laughs) like if there's a couple of hours before you go to bed or if you have a day off (laughs) like that's basically been to the point that I'm at now is that I'm just doing this whenever I can um I watch TV and I crochet. Like that's the only time I watch TV. I can no longer watch things with subtitles anymore because I'm like constantly looking at my work, um, <laughs> which is sad. Time. I used to love yeah. subtitled movies or yeah. like foreign films, but I just can't do it anymore because it's just like a waste of time if I don't if I'm not like doing something with my hands. Right. Uh, so really, just do it whenever you can um, and find the community for you to let you do this whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Grand Rapids. I love living in Grand Rapids because I feel like whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. like, it, there's a community here for you. Um, I have people that are in, like, performing arts. I have one of my good friends is a hula hoop artist um, or flow artist overall. He's much more than a hula hoop artist anymore. But he came to Grand Rapids, and he's found, like, this great community for it. I found mm-hmm. a great community 
with fibers amongst um, the different yarn groups uh, in the city, amongst the Avenue for the Arts that I'm very involved in, and then most recently the Weavers Guild, the Woodland right. Weavers and Spinners Guild, um, which has just been a new, fun group of people to get to know and talk to. The space that we're in right now, just to kind of give folks an idea, it's 401 Hall. For the people in Grand Rapids, they, not far from the highway, from 131. But for people outside the area listening in faraway places, how would you describe this building and what's happening inside this building? Mm. Well, this is an old steel case factory. Mm -hmm. So a lot of furniture was produced here for the longest time. And then they recently renovated it to be office space and studio spaces. So there's a lot of office type places in here. Mm -hmm. uh, we're right next to a interior design firm as well as a like tech firm okay. too. Um, so doing leather work is a little different than most of the <laughs> things right, that are going on right. in this building. But we're actually on the fourth floor of this building which is like the top floor and it's just a beautiful old building mm -hmm. um and it does like overlook the city completely overlooks like the highway great view it's so wonderful to come in here every morning just to look out um but we have a big brick wall that has huge windows you can see all the rafters still um you can kind of see where at one time a big smoke pipe or something went up to the roof mm -hmm. it just there's just so much history in this room, and that's what really drew us to it. When we first came in here, it was completely blank. Um, it was twice as big because they built a wall and sectioned it off uh, after we looked at the place, but it was just so raw. And when we came in here, we just knew that we could do whatever we want, wanted to it, um, and we did. So it's, it's getting to the point that we're completely happy with the way that it's set up. There's still a few more things that we need to do to it. Mm -hmm. um, like all four of those boxes right over here have a thousand paper cranes in them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we want to hang those up at some point. But until then, they just, just sit in your spare time. In the boxes. Yeah. 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 Um, one of my favorite things about this building is that because it's an office building or mainly office buildings, everybody's gone at five. So oh. <laughs> it's like a completely, it's a, it's a ghost town in here. So you can be completely by yourself, which sometimes is a little creepy. Um, but what is excellent is driving down the highway. And if anybody is in Grand Rapids, if you ever drive down 131 mm -hmm. and see this building and see one light on in the fourth <laughs> floor and like the whole building, that's us yeah. here late at night. You guys are here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, it's kind of cool because you guys are now part of the, like your story, you and your loom. You and Susan <laughs> are now part of the next chapter for this building, which mm -hmm. is kind of cool. And um, you know, and do you like working outside of your house? Yes. It's just a place to go instead of being like, oh, I could be online and doing this over here, or like maybe I can make lunch right now. And like, you know, instead of being, instead of procrastinating, it's, it's a lot harder to procrastinate when you actually have to go somewhere to right. the studio and right. work on stuff. And you're not I feel like much more focused. Throwing in here. a load of laundry when you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, I better do the dishes, you know, mm -hmm. instead of like just throwing yourself in. Yes. And, and then it's just such an inspiring space overall, too. Like, I'm not working at my coffee table. Right. And then having to like shove everything to a box when someone shows up to visit yeah you know, yeah or just separate. leaving everything out right yeah and just being like i'm sorry that's what i do i'm like mm -hmm. i'm so sorry i am so sorry and stuff is all over the place yeah it's um yeah so it, and and for a lot of people that's a scary thing though when you commit to paying rent outside your house yes and for you i mean what kind of headspace did you have to be in to know like okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna do this well, um, I've been working with Little Wings Designs for a long time, and I 
used to go over to the studio, which used to be in a boutique. So it was like this really small space that was right. a studio and a boutique. And then my, so she's one of my business partners. My other business partner, uh, Jacob Brune, he was working in a basement. So it was kind of just like all three of us were mm-hmm. working in our own separate spaces. And we kept on talking about getting a bigger collective mm-hmm. space. And then when this space came up, we just kind of all decided to do it um, because it wasn't just going to be working in the basement or in a boutique or in our living room anymore. Right. So I think that that was really that point is having two other people that wanted to move into a bigger space to make this work Mm -hmm. and then to be able to get out of my little small one bedroom apartment. Are you more productive do you think now because you have a space? Oh very. Yeah. Much more productive. It's more of a job instead of a hobby now. Mm -hmm. Like you know I'm going to work because I'm going to the studio instead of like oh this is what I'm going to make today. Right and do you find that the people seem to take that a little more seriously? Because you probably interact with people who aren't artists and crafters. Mm -hmm. So you have a great support system of artists and crafters understand what you're doing but is it sometimes do you ever encounter people who are like okay so you went to school for this and now you're like you have yarn all over the place like and and does this give you not that anyone really needs to feel compelled to have validation from Mm -hmm. the people around them but did having this space and making this really a serious like hey I'm I'm really going full blast at this did that help in those conversations that you might have around holidays when you see extended family you never and they're like okay so what are you doing (laughs) and they might not totally get it you know Mm -hmm. so how how does that change the dialogue a little bit this place has given me something to be proud of I think Mm -hmm. that's like the biggest thing instead of being like my little studio in my house like this is this is my studio this is my space like I've worked so hard to make this space mine right? Um, and to get to the point that I can have this kind of space. This has been a dream of mine and then with Elise and then Jake, but it's been a dream of all three of ours for so long. Like so many conversations have involved talking about a bigger space and already there's talk of even like a bigger space, but to finally have this space, it just like makes it all come together. Your products are available. Uh, Why don't you tell people where, where can they find if they're in Grand Rapids, they can find you at Parliament, your your things there. Parliament Boutique, which is located at 120 South Division. Uh, and it's uh, suite number 125. Okay. Um, but we also have a website for our store, so parliamentboutique.com. And then I also have my own Etsy, so adventuretextiles.etsy.com. Okay. okay, so they can find you in three places, um, mm-hmm. online and two, which is great. So anybody, wherever they are, can take a look. You also have an Instagram account. Yes. So if they want to follow you, how, how can they follow you online? My Instagram name is Adventures of Megan Shea. Okay. Yeah. And, so. and that's really fun, too, because that's how I first got to see the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Elise is pub- posting photos, too. So I watching you guys, I was like, wow, that's gorgeous. <laughs> it's, um, so if folks can follow, see kind of behind the scenes what you're doing. And, um, and how has that enriched your life, too, just having that ability to connect with people who are outside the area as you've gotten into this have you been able to connect with other fiber artists in far off places mm-hmm. I love sh- uh, sharing my process photos I yeah. love like when I see something cool that I just did I love being able to take a, p- a picture of it and post it and see if everybody else thinks it's cool too right um, so that's been really nice it's also nice to see people react to the things that I make mm-hmm. uh, it's nice validation in that oh, yeah. way um, but it ha- it's been really nice especially to like scroll through all of my Instagram photos like the first one that I did which was a uh, beginning of a crocheted Tunisian crocheted blanket that I had dyed on pomegranate and iron and that oh, wow. was like it's got to be like almost three years ago now right. and just like the whole process from there to all the weaving that I've done mm-hmm. now and everything in between it becomes like a scrapbook mm-hmm. and, and I think for me that's what I when I post stuff I'm like 
it's fun to look back and because when you're feeling man I feel like I haven't accomplished that much in the last month and you look at all the th- and you're like well actually I did quite a bit mm-hmm. yeah it's fun to see that it seems like that's probably a good filler for the days when it's five o'clock and maybe you're here by yourself in the studio mm-hmm. and Elise isn't here to say, you can't say hey check this out mm-hmm. uh, you can still kind of say check this out to whoever's out there yeah and it's kind of because it kind of feels like a studio mate mm-hmm. in, in a way it's such yeah. a fantastic community I love the fibers community anybody that's into anything related to fiber it's like instant best friend it's like you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about casting on or doing double crochets all over the place like in just like conversations that can last a long time um things that nobody else wants to talk about (laughs) talk to me about (laughs) oh I've heard you talk about it a lot Mm -hmm. and they're like yeah we've already heard this yeah and everybody's just so helpful in the community Mm -hmm. it just it's, it's such a fantastic community and it's just so weird because everybody is so nice. It's like I can meet somebody from like a completely different country and like they're just like nice and want to help out too. Compared to like some other arts, I feel like are maybe a little bit more snobbish or... Yeah, fiber arts are, seem to be... I've had the same experience where I find that people have, are really excited to share. But if people start today in a year's time they could have an experience similar to yours. It will be different because mm-hmm. we're not all on that same path, but it's really kind of cool to see just in a year because it seems like you're pretty glad you started weaving. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's so much fun. It just like, once again, as soon as I started weaving, it just like clicked. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is this all makes sense now. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is the perfect way to display all the colors that I'm getting and mm-hmm. to be able to put so many colors together and not have it just be like, really in your face right um which is what I really enjoy about it and it just like blends all the colors so well and then on top of that you can mix it with some very interesting patterns just the whole process of weaving is so nice so I don't know if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you want to add that you want people to know about your work or what this has done for you in the last year to just kind of hit your stride and I kind of just want to add to like the last comment that you made that if anybody is in the Grand Rapids area, like come find me. Like uh, I'm at either Parliament the Boutique, like we do different fiber socials, mm-hmm. um, but we're always want to work with other people and teach people how to do these kind of so things. So what is so. the best way for people to kind of, do you guys have a mailing list or anything? Is there a good way for people to kind of stay, get connected with you and stay up on what you're, what you have planned? I would say follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Parliament Boutique or myself at Adventure Textiles, okay. but both of those are like very good resources. Okay, and I'll list some links on the website mm-hmm. so people can find that and we'll do that with the article as well. So um, yeah, well, I thank you so much for your time. And Please congratulations. come back again. Bring a project next time. I well, I might not, I might stay all day though. Be careful careful what you ask for. Okay. So at this point, Megan and I thought we were done with the podcast, but it turns out that we forgot to talk about a charity effort that she's part of. That's really pretty important. It's called cast off the cold. Since it's such an important thing to her and such a great cause, I didn't feel like I was doing my job as a podcaster if we just kind of glossed over that and didn't mention it in the podcast. So I called her up and we recorded a teeny bit more. So let's get back to Megan. She's going to tell us about Cast Off the Cold. Okay, so I understand that you're also involved with some charity work locally. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. I help run Cast Off the Cold which is a charity organization in West Michigan. So we collect donations, hand knit and crocheted, like hats, gloves, mittens, scarves, um, anything that anyone is making 
and they can donate those donations to local urine shops such as J.T. Stitchery in Rockford or Country Needleworks in Jenison. And we also collect uh, donations at my boutique downtown, Parliament Boutique, located on Division. For the past couple of years, we've been uh, donating all these donations to local homeless shelters, but this year we're trying to do something a little bit different, which is uh, yarn bombing. We're yarn bombing donations in areas around Grand Rapids, just so that way anyone who is cold or may need a hat or a scarf or gloves can get those donations, not necessarily just people in homeless shelters. Oh, that's really great. And I know that on Division, I want to say, well, I know my the first issue of my magazine on the cover had uh, hats hanging from trees. There's a, a local gentleman who frequently will hang hats on the trees. I don't know if he's still doing it, but I know he was doing that pretty consistently before. Um, so are you guys going to do kind of a similar thing where you just kind of hang them from trees a little bit or, you know, tie it to a, a lamppost or... Yeah, we're doing that exactly. Like each donation has a little tag on it explaining that this came from Cast Off the Cold. And if you're cold, feel free to take this donation. And if you're not that cold, leave it for somebody that is. Okay. Um, as well as information of how people can get involved. So we're planning, we've already uh, yarn bombed division or like the division area a couple of times. But we're planning on hitting up some other areas too, including a couple of college campuses too. I know when I was a college student, like being able to afford to go buy a scarf was not really in the budget. So we're hoping that we can just give away as many hats and scarves as possible. And this is a charity that's been around for the past eight years. Did your friend start it? Yes, my friend Ashley Gremmel started this. Uh, she was a junior in high school. And then did you? And then you came on board to kind of take over, or do you guys still run it together? I was running it while she was in college, but she's been back this whole winter visiting her parents. So her and I are both doing it this semester this year, and I think I'll be taking over full time again next year. Do you guys keep stats on how how many items you've collected since you got started or just per season? Do you have any idea, like, what kind of volume you're looking at? I, I think at this point, it's probably close to about 5,000 hats, scarves, mittens, those kind of things. Um, we get about 1,000 donations uh, roughly over the past couple of years. So especially, like, the first, year, first or second year that Ashley was doing this, she had a couple of, like, mittens where uh, she would host a big event where people could just come knit and crochet. And I know that that got a lot of donations. So I think that we're right around 5,000 right now. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's a great thing to be doing uh so i don't know if you do you sleep ever it seems like you're always doing something <laughs> I, I barely sleep working in a coffee house gives me a nice addiction to caffeine and right. i really rely on that <laughs> for people in farther out places do you have people mail things to you or would you advise them more to get look for a place locally to donate their goods well well, either they could mail items to us or they could also find a PDF file on our Facebook page where they could print off their own tags and then they could attach that to their own hats, scarves, or gloves and then yarn bomb trees oh, in their Oh, yeah, I love too. that idea. So what what is the address to the website to get the tag? Currently, we're just on Facebook. So if you search Cast Off the Cold on Facebook, you should be able to find us or okay. facebook.com slash cast off the cold. Okay, excellent. So people can continue, you know, kind of carry on this in their own community and then maybe post a photo to your Facebook yeah. so you know that yeah. they did this. That'd be really cool to hear from people. That would be really cool. Yeah, people have carried on that. It's really awesome.
Okay, so I think this is really the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, thanks so much to Megan for sharing her story and her just inspiring words and her enthusiasm about fiber art. So thanks again for tuning in, folks. I really appreciate it. And thanks to my Patreon sponsors. You guys rock. And we picked up a couple. My next show is going to be with a gentleman, a photographer, who's a um, he's a minimalist photographer named Stone. I know it's kind of mysterious, huh? Well, I'm not going to tell you any more about it, but I think you're going to like it. We laughed a lot during that podcast. And then I have been in talks with some other folks about doing some more interviews. I also want to thank the wonderful people at ACS Home and Work. This is a place that I've been printing. And you know, and you guys probably think, is she really printing? We haven't seen much printing. <laughs> if you look at my Instagram feed, you can see my printing. I'm in the last week of a screen printing class that I'm taking at Dinderbeck Studio. And I interviewed the guys from Dinderbeck a little while back, and uh, they are really interesting. And I uh, am taking Stephen's class, and it's way harder than I thought, you know, because I carve blocks, and I've got my little Conrad press, and I'm cranking stuff through. And it took me probably about a year and a half to feel like I knew what I was doing with that. And there's still a lot I don't know. Uh, but I can, I feel a lot more comfortable when I'm carving a block, inking, printing. Oh, I want to tell you, you can look also in the Grand Rapids Press on Sunday for my uh, column about Megan. And you can visit craftsanity.com for links to her websites where you can buy her products. And she has an Etsy shop. Uh, it's Adventure Textiles on Etsy. And um, you can find her also on Instagram. And I'll have all those links for you ready and handy at craftsanity.com. So if you have a story idea for me or some news to share, by all means, get in touch. You can reach me, Jennifer, at craftsanity.com, and I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Thank you.